0: Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you speak to us now, your words, and really cause us to be a people who really do pray with power. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's this guy, he was like in his mid to late 80s, and he'd been widowed now for a few years, and so he's being encouraged that by family and friends to get out and meet someone new. And he kept saying, no, no, but finally he gave into it. Decide he would get all dressed up, his best suit. He went down to this really nice hotel that had a nice piano lounge area in it. And he figured that might be the kind of place he could meet somebody his age. So sure enough, as he walked in there, there's this white-haired lady sitting by the piano. So he kind of saunders up to her and says, Tell me, do I come here often? Are you guys awake? It's not only older people who sometimes are forgetful, it's all of us. We forget things that are important and some that are not important, but there's some things that we really should never forget. Now, we just did a series entitled Pray Always, learning some important truths about prayer that I hope you guys will not forget. In fact, we had eight different subjects on prayer over those eight weeks, and each one of them began with a P. And so we're going to go through those and remind you what those are and put them all together this morning for you. But I'm going to need eight volunteers to help me. So if I can get eight people to line up right here by these stairs, real quick, don't be scared. Hop up, line up here. I need eight. Keep moving, keep moving. Here we go one, two, three, four, five, six. I need two more, two more, two more, seven, one more. Eight, okay. Now we can actually have a message. Okay, now we got it Now, each of these each of these subjects on prayer began with the letter P. And I want to see if you guys can remember what the first one was. What was the first one? Okay, the first one you did in the small groups was purpose, but we did one before that. Come up here, Kim San. And that really was entitled The Priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. You just sit there and hold that right there. Go ahead and seat. Now, do you remember what we talked about in the priority of prayer? If you remember, we actually looked at the scene where Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he tells all of his disciples at his last supper that all of them are going to betray him. All of them are going to defect spiritually. And what do they do? They respond by saying, no, Lord, even if we have to die for you, we will not deny you. And Jesus goes on to say to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. So remember that whole scene. They had resolved that even if it cost them their lives, they would not defect. They would stay true to Jesus. Okay, so that's what they resolved. Well, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Jesus is praying about the cup of the wrath of God he's about to drink on our behalf. He's wrestling with that. He asks the disciples to come and pray also. And so he goes a little further and prays on his own, comes back and finds them sleeping, not praying. What does he say to them? Well, he goes on to say, keep watching and praying that you enter not into temptation, For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep watching and praying that you do not not enter into temptation. What was the temptation he's talking about? The temptation he was talking about was a temptation to defect. By the way, all temptation has as its goal our spiritual defection. But Jesus says, the spirit's willing. I know you got resolve, but the flesh is weak. You're not going to be able to do it with your own strength. You're going to need the strength that comes from prayer. And so he points out that if we are going to keep from spiritually defecting, we must have a prayer life. It was true for the disciples and it's true for us. Now what happened? Well, all the disciples, they did defect. They all left him. Peter does deny him, denies him three times as Jesus said he would. But Peter learned the lesson he needed to learn. Because later on, what does Peter write? Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4 and chapter 5. He says, Be on the alert. Don't be sleeping. Be sober minded for the purpose of prayer. Then he goes on to say, Because the devil is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, what is writing on whether or not we pray? Our spiritual lives. That's what's writing on it. That's why it is a priority for us to have a prayer life. It isn't something you, you know, may or may not do if you're so inclined one day. You got to realize what's riding on this, whether or not you're going to handle what's coming. And i tell you what, there's opportunities coming to defect. I mean, you know, this coronavirus, we're going to look back at it one day and say, that was nothing. There's other stuff coming and we've got to be able to be ready for the temptation to defect that's coming. And how are we going to be ready? We've got to be praying. And the Spirit's willing, I know you got resolved but the flesh is weak. You will not be able to do it in your own strength. So the first P we talked about was the priority of prayer. If we are going to have a spiritual life, we got to see how the prayer is a priority. If I can get this thing to stick here. There we go. All right, everybody say priority of prayer. Okay. Second P. Some of you guys already indicated what that was. The second P stands for the purpose of prayer. Go ahead and have a seat right down there, and I'll just hand it to you. All right? The purpose of prayer. Now, if you remember what we did there, we talked about the fact that the Bible is very clear that we are raised up with Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, raised up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. What is he seated on? Christ is seated on a throne. What do you do from a throne? You rule. So how is it that we are seated with Christ and ruling with him right now? In what ways do we affect what goes on on planet earth right now as we're seated with Christ? It is primarily through our prayers that we are bringing his kingdom to the earth. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven we are actually forging out history in our prayer life. Prayer is so much more significant than hardly any, hardly any Christians understand how significant it is that you are a history maker in your prayer life. I think when we actually see the Lord face to face, the Bible says when you see him, you will know as you're known. And one of the things we are going to understand immediately is that almost everything that happened on the earth was a result of some believer praying it in. Everything that has to do with salvation history. We're going to see that somebody prayed it in. Why? Because we're seated with Christ, this high, noble place. Why? So we can rule with him through our prayer life. We're going to rule with him in the kingdom to come forever and ever. And right now, we're we are in training. There's an internship. So understand your purpose. Our purpose is that his kingdom would come, his will would be done. On earth as it is in heaven, and we are praying that in, all of us. All right. The third P, remember what that is? Hey, you can go ahead and just take a seat up there. The third P is the perspective in prayer. Perspective in prayer. You remember what we did here? What we did here regarding perspective of prayer is that we looked at the four key passages in the Bible that that allow us to see into the throne room scene of God. This is not an imagination. This is not a vision of what could be. Four prophets were allowed to see into heaven. The the veil was opened up and they got to see the throne room scene as it actually is. Isaiah chapter 6, Ezekiel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 7, Revelation chapter 4 and 5. These four prophets saw into heaven. What did they see? They saw him sitting on a throne, our God sitting on a throne, high and lofty. Then they saw around his throne, 24 other thrones, 24 elders. And then they saw the four living creatures singing constantly. They never stopped saying to him who was and is and is to come, be glory and honor and holy, holy, holy. We're seeing it constantly sung in heaven. And beyond the four living creatures, what do we see? We see then the sea of glass and then the seraphim, the six winged angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, Lord of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. And then beyond that, according to Daniel 7, there's millions of other angels. And we need to have the perspective that when we pray we're not just praying to some imaginary friend. We're not just praying to the ceiling. We're praying into that throne room scene. That's the perspective we need to have. But our perspective also should include where we are when we pray, not just who we're praying to in this throne room scene, our amazing, awesome, glorious, splendorous, majestic God, but we need to see where we are. I think our tendency is to see, well, we, he's on the throne, then you have the 24 elders, and then you have the four living creatures, and then you have the seraphim, and then you have the millions of angels. And I think we tend to see ourselves way back here, hey, Lord! See me? Not realizing, wait a second, that's not the right perspective. See, we need to move past the angels and past the seraphim and past the four living creatures and past the 24 elders and go and take our seat on the throne with him who lifted us and seated us with him as history makers. So this is the perspective. Our perspective is we're praying in this throne room scene. But our perspective is, is that we've been given this high place of power and authority to be history makers as we pray. So that's our perspective in prayer. Everybody say perspective in prayer. perspective in prayer. Okay. Remember the next one. The next P is, somebody say it. Close. Pattern of prayer. All right. Go ahead and have a seat there. Now, the pattern of prayer, remember, Jesus actually gave us what that pattern of prayer is. Now, we're familiar with what we know to be the Lord's Prayer, or some of you might have grown up in a church that called it the Our Father. But Jesus has not given us a prayer. He's given us a pattern of prayer. The disciples didn't say, teach us a prayer. They said, teach us how to pray. So he gives us a pattern of how to pray. And if you remember, Don had a great idea of these magnets in which remind us of, this, of the Lord's Prayer and his pattern. It starts off with this, Arrow that goes upward, just reminding us that we start with, hallowed be your name. We worship and we honor God. And then the next two arrows go outward. And then we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for your kingdom rule to be brought to bear everywhere on the earth in all kinds of specific ways. We pray outward. then the arrows go inward. Then we pray for ourselves. We pray in and we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And then it ends up with another arrow going upward, just like we started. Again, we begin with praising him and we end with, for yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. That is the pattern of prayer. So you never have to wonder, what do I pray about? Lord Jesus gave you a pattern how to pray. And you can follow that pattern and get into all kinds of different specifics on how to pray. But Jesus says something really important in that pattern. He says, pray this way. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That little word as, someone once said, may be the most terrifying word in the Bible. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive those who sinned against us. Wow. Then Jesus goes on to comment right after this pattern of prayer. He says, if you forgive men their transgressions, then your Father in heaven will forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men of their trespasses, then your Father in heaven will not forgive you of your trespasses. Wow. You want to know what the number one prayer killer is? It's unforgiveness. In fact, if you want to know what the number one killer of a spiritual life is, it's unforgiveness. So we are to forgive those who have sinned against us. No matter how much you've been betrayed or hurt or offended, forgive them. Now, what does that mean? Forgiving someone means that you give up your right to hurt them back. You give give up your right to want to see them hurt back. And then you wish them well before God. You say, how can I do that? Gary, if you knew what they did to me, you know I can't do that. And I say, do it like Jesus says to do it. Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you and you feel persecuted by them. Pray for them. What do you pray? Lord, kill them? No. (laughs) What do you pray? Jesus says, bless those who curse you. So you pray blessing. You pray blessing. You say, but I I can't do that. I don't don't feel that. I'm, I'm saying, I don't care how you feel, do it. Just do it, do it and do it and do it and do it, do it. And one day, what's going to happen is the heaviness of your hearts can get lighter and lighter and lighter. To one day, you're going to pray a blessing for them and you're going to feel it from your heart. And you're going to actually do what Jesus says to do forgive them from your heart. And so, we've got to be those who have forgiven people who've hurt us if we're going to have a prayer life and a spiritual life. So, the pattern of prayer the Lord gives us, and did I not get one of these here? Oh, here we go. Pattern of prayer. They color coded it so I wouldn't be confused up here. Okay, everybody say pattern of prayer. Pattern of prayer. Okay, the next one, who remembers the next one? There you go. Power of prayer. Okay, go ahead. And take a seat up there. Would there, Jennifer? All right, the power of prayer. Now if you remember, we talked about how to have what the Bible says we need to do to have a powerful prayer life. The Bible tells us how to pray in such a way you get your prayers answered. All right? How do you do that? First of all, number one, you pray the word. You pray the scriptures. You pray the promises of God. Your prayers just sound like, Lord, you said this, and Lord, you said that. And I believe what you said. That's why I'm asking for this. Start with the promises of God. Then you pray, number two, with faith. You believe his promises. You have expectation. Number three, you pray fervently. I mean, you involve your whole self in this prayer. Number four, prayer of agreement. Involve other people with you to pray in agreement. And number five, pray persistently. Do not stop that prayer till you get an answer. That's how you have a powerful prayer life. That's what we see in the book of Acts. We see them gather in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They gather in the upper room. What are they doing? They are in prayer in agreement. They are praying persistently. They are standing on the word of God. They are praying with faith. What happens? After they start praying, 10-day prayer meeting, next thing happens is power is released. What happens with the power? Ministry happens. 3,000 people get saved. A lame man gets healed. What happens next? Opposition. The first persecution of the church. What does the church do? Say, oh, what was us, and quit. They go back to the prayer room, Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31. They go back and pray. How do they pray? They stand on the word. They, they pray believing. They pray fervently. They pray in agreement. They pray persistently. What happens? More power. What happens to the power? More ministry. What should they expect to happen next? Acts chapter 5, more opposition. That is the normative cycle of a powerful church. A normative cycle is prayer, power, ministry, opposition. What do you do when the opposition hits? Go back to the prayer meeting. And how do you pray? Pray the word. Pray by faith. Pray fervently. Pray with others in agreement and pray persistently. Okay, that's how to have a powerful prayer life. Everyone say the power of prayer. Okay, what's the next one? Okay, the next one is persistence. Go ahead and come on up here, Chris. Now, you say, but Gary, you just talked about persistence as one of the five elements of a powerful prayer. And I'd say, absolutely, I did. But persistence deserves its own P. And let me tell you why. The reason persistence deserves its own P is because it is so important that it needs to be talked about separately because when Jesus teaches parables on prayer. He teaches two parables on prayer, Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 18, both parables. You think of all the things you could teach about prayer, he'd talk about two important parts of prayer, two important elements of prayer, but no, he doesn't. Two parables on prayer, and he teaches the same point, and that is persistence in prayer releases the power of God, releases answers from God. Luke chapter 11, remember the parable. The parable is of a neighbor who a friend comes to visit him late at night. He has nothing to feed his neighbor, feed his friend. So he goes to a neighbor and bangs on the neighbor's door and says, A neighbor looks out the window and they're all in bed. He says, what do you want? He says, a friend came late at night, I have nothing to feed him. Could you give me some bread? And he says, we're all in bed up here, okay? The kids are asleep. You need to go. He keeps banging on the door, bam, bam, bam. He looks out the window and says, what are you doing? You're going to wake everybody up. He says, a friend came late at night. I have nothing to feed him. I need some bread. He goes, go away. He won't go away. Bam, bam, bam. Finally, the guy does what? Gets up and gives him some bread so he will go away. What's the point? The point is this. If persistence will work with someone who's not inclined to help you, How much more will persistence work with God who is inclined to help you? Then Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 18, parable of the widow and the unjust judge. Now you need to have in your mind, not a courtroom scene in modern America, but a courtroom scene very differently in the ancient world. Imagine an outdoor court. Imagine a judge sitting there and imagine a crowd gathered around that all wants their case heard next. And they're all shouting at the judge and he's trying to quiet everybody down and he's trying to handle one case at a time. As he's trying to handle this case, this unjust judge, he keeps getting interrupted by this persistent widow. She's shouting, give me justice. And he's like, somebody quiet her down. He wants to deal with the case in front of him. She keeps interrupting, keeps interrupting Till finally he's like, okay. And he deals with her, gives her what she wants. Why? So she will go away. What's the point? The point is, Jesus is pointing out that if persistence will work with an unjust judge, how much more will persistence work with God who is the just judge? So Jesus' point is simply this. Keep on praying. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And God will answer your prayer. Okay, so everybody say the persistence in prayer. Okay, what's the next one? Partners. partners of prayer. Go ahead and have a seat, Elizabeth. Now, you remember there are two things that we said you ought to have as partners in your prayer life. One is Thanksgiving, and the other is fasting. Now, Joey talked about Thanksgiving on the video, and I talked primarily about fasting in the Sunday message. But those are two things that really add to our prayer lives. Our prayer lives should be filled with thanksgiving. Constantly grateful to God for all he's done. But also, from time to time, we need to add fasting to our prayer life when there's there's required extra power. Remember the story. Jesus had been up on the mountain of transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. The other disciples did not go up the mountain with them. They're down below. When Jesus, Peter, and James, and John come down from the mountain, there's a crowd gathered around the other disciples. Jesus wants to know what's going on. He comes up and asks what's going on, and he finds out that a man brought his son, who was demon-possessed, to the disciples for them to cast out the demon, but they could not. They had been able to cast out demons easily before this time, but they couldn't get this one out. So Jesus, after he has the disciples in a private setting, gives them a chance to ask him questions, and they ask him the obvious question as, how come we couldn't get him out? I mean, in the past, we could get demons out. I mean, we you sent us out before, and every time we cast out demons, they came out. But this one would not come out, Jesus. How come? And Jesus answers this way. This kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. This kind is different than the other kind. This kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. This was something disciples needed to learn and something we need to learn. There are the other kind. There are kinds that come out easy. You know, the church, you know, a lot of times the church is thinking about how can we deal with a challenging situation? How about better communication, another seminar, uh, bigger buildings, uh, you know, another Bible study? Uh, But in all that, all that's fine and all that worked well for the other kind but there are some kind that will not come out unless we fast along with our prayers. See, there are some, some that you cannot dislodge without the power that comes from fasting. See, sometimes what we need is not a better technique or a better method. What we need is a power that can go beneath the surface and break the powers of darkness and set the person free. And so we've got to realize if we want to have power in our prayer life, we've got to understand there's some challenges coming that we're not going to be able to handle that kind Unless we develop a life that includes fasting with our prayers, so everybody say the partners of prayer. Okay, now we get to the very last one. Last one, Max, you're going to take that yourself. Big strong guy, all right. Have a seat. Now, the problem of prayer is what? The problem of prayer is when God doesn't seem interested in answering it. The problem of prayer is when we prayed and prayed and there's no answer. At least it seems like there's none yet. So how do we, what are we to do when that happens? How are we to handle those situations? Well, remember Jesus, when he prays before he goes to the cross, he is praying that God the Father would keep him from dying. That was his prayer. He prays a prayer of deliverance from death. Now, did God the Father answer that prayer? Well, actually, God the Father answers the prayer at a different time and in a different way than which it was prayed. See, he answered it at a different time. He does answer Jesus' prayer, but he answers it not on Good Friday. He answers it on Easter Sunday and he answers not only in a different time he answers in a different way he didn't answer by delivering Jesus from dying he answered it by delivering Jesus after he died delivers him from death he answered his prayer in a different time but it was a better time in a different way it was a better way he answered a different time but it was a better time is after redemption was done he answered also in a better way he doesn't deliver Jesus from dying. He delivers Jesus from, you know, didn't deliver him to his mortality. He delivers him into immortality, never to die again. Amen. So if it's true of the Son of God, that sometimes God the Father will answer his prayers in a different time, in a different way, but it's always, when he does that, always a better time in a better way. That is also true for us that sometimes God is answering our prayer in a different time, but it's a better time. A different way, but it's a better way. The question is, will we not fall into despair and keep believing him even though we hadn't seen the answer yet? That's what's key. That we keep on believing. God, I know. I'm praying according to your word. I'm praying believing your promises. Standing on your word. I'm praying with fervency. I'm praying in agreement with other believers. I'm praying persistently. I'm knocking, knocking on the door. But you haven't answered yet, God. So I conclude this. I don't conclude the answer is no. I conclude that you got a better answer. So you got to, you're going to do it at a different time, better time, a different way, but a better way. And do not fall into despair and stop believing that. So that is the problem of prayer. Sometimes we wrongly conclude that because he didn't answer the way that we expected that we do not get an answer at all. When in fact, in due time, we'll see that we're probably getting a better answer than we even imagined. So those are the eight P's that we've gone through. We spent eight weeks on. And our goal was not that we have some type of intellectual exercise that we learn information that we do nothing with. Our goal is that we become men and women who know how to pray more effectively and pray more effectively. So we're praying more often and we're praying with more effectiveness. And that's where we're trying to go. Because I tell you this, the level of Holy Spirit power in a church is proportional to the level of prayer in a church. I tell you what, if you've got a church talking about Holy Spirit power whole, uh, all the time and there's not, not a lot of prayer in that church, I guarantee you that's hype. If we want to see real, more real Holy Spirit power in every way, we've got to raise a level of prayer. I'm not talking about a handful of intercessors in the corner that we're expecting them to carry the prayer ministry. No, it's all of us owning it. We all must own it. I'm telling you, times in the past when we've owned it, and there, At one time, we had 500 adults one hour a week in our G Hop. Now we're far below that right now. But at one time, we had that. I'm telling, you, there was a different different atmosphere when that was happening. We had people, I had people walking in, come up, tap me on the shoulder during worship service, and say, When's, when, when can I give my life to Christ? I never saw the person before. Is this the time of the service when I can give my life to Christ? There's a different atmosphere. I got people coming to me with tears rolling down their face. What's happening to me, Pastor? I don't know. I said, That's the Lord. You found what you've been looking for. Not us, him. You found him. You know, we see, we see different things happen on the mission field with great power. We see waves of people being healed. Why? Because the level of prayer is up. So a lot of times we think, you know, I don't want to be inconvenienced to go to the Ghop Grace House of Prayer Room, the, you know, the uh, north West corner of the Life Center building. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I live way over here. I go to work way over there. It's a real inconvenience for me to drive over here. I'll just pray somewhere else. I'd say pray somewhere else all week long, but one hour a week, I'm asking you to come up here. I'm asking you to come up where all the prayer information is, all the prayer requests are, all the prayer guides are, where there's prayer leaders, where you can be in agreement with somebody. Come up here one hour a week. I'm asking everybody who considers Grace Community Church your church home to help us by taking on one hour, being willing to be inconvenienced. I know it's inconvenient. I know it is. But we want to raise this level of prayer. So here's what I'm asking you to do. If you hadn't already done it, there's this Pray Always uh, insert that you got when you came in. I'm asking you to even now, even right now, if you haven't done it, to fill it out. On the way out, there's going to be people holding baskets for you to drop it in. We've got to raise the level of prayer, guys. I tell you what, there's a verse, you know, in the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah it says that, you know, if you stumbled when you're running with men, how are you going to run with horses? I mean, the horse race is coming, guys. Now is the time for us to get our spiritual lives intact and our prayer life up. So I'm asking everyone to do this. If you're online, all you got to do is go to gracearlington.com slash prayer. There's a button to push. You can fill everything out. But we need you. We need you. Now, some of you are, are telling—you know in your mind right now, you're explaining to yourself why you can't do this. Stop that. We need you. You can do this. Our goal is to have 24-7 prayer happening in that room one day. And we want to shake this community. We want to shake this world for the glory of Christ. And we need all hands on deck. Amen. So we're asking you to join us in this. Fill it out. Drop it off on your way out. Or be online. You can do that. And let's raise the level so we can see more and more the power of God. Amen? Amen? Let's all stand together. As we close, if you're new here, I'd love to meet you personally over here in this welcome corner. Right there where that light is on. And uh, we want to just pray as, in, in dismissing a moment. but Let me remind you as, as we're dismissing that those of you that need prayer, we'll have some elder couples up front to pray for you. I do ask you to continue to be mindful of social distancing. We thank God that for, we've been meeting for seven months and we, have, we don't know of any COVID cases that have come from our church meetings. So we praise God for that. But again, we're, you know, and we thank God, but we want to continue to be prudent as we do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your favor on us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this high privilege calling you give us to be part of changing history in our prayer life. And we pray, Lord, every one of us would grow in this. And we ask you, O oh Lord, that uh, even this week we could find ourselves really entering in more deeply, powerfully in prayer. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't recover from what you're doing. We'd only go closer and closer and see your kingdom go further and further. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.